0: Welcome to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast, where we feature physicians who are redefining the practice of medicine and changing the experience we have as doctors in medicine. We all know the system is broken, but we've decided not to complain about it anymore. We're out to fix it. I'm Dr. Una, your host. I'm a pediatrician and serial entrepreneur, but my passion is helping physicians create the freedom to live life and practice medicine on their terms. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a movement of change, and I invite you to be a part of it. Let's jump right in. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. I am super pumped today because I have an amazing guest for you. I have Dr. Marjorie Stegler, and she is the physician executive. She's a physician entrepreneur. She does consulting, speaking, runs retreats, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so we're going to have a really, really, really great conversation. And, you know, welcome to the show, Dr. Stigler. You know, I, I have a lot of questions for you, so this is going to be good.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's going
0: to be great. Yeah, Okay, so I want to start off by, you know, asking you, you know, you went to med school, you did all this training, you're a physician, but
1: then you have all these other things that you do. How did that start? (laughs) A lot of it started by accident. And it was in one thing just seemed to evolve into the next. You know, the way all of it, I I would say started at the very beginning, is that I got pregnant. (laughs) I got pregnant and there was nothing cute to wear to the gym. And because of that, and I was living in Los Angeles, uh, I was on faculty at the time. Um, My husband was in business school. And he said, well, let's just start a company, maternity athletic wear company. This was back in 2009. And I thought, well, that's, that's crazy. How do you do that? But because we were surrounded by the garment district, a lot of fashion, it was very accessible to just go downtown. And he had a lot of colleagues who just made it seem like, yeah, starting a business is no big deal. So we did that mostly for fun and to sort of meet our own needs. And as it turned out, it was like profitable. It really took off. But that was back in 2009, as I mentioned. So this was before you could just put up a website. I mean, the plug and play that we have available now is amazing. It was also well before the idea of a brand ambassador existed, right? So this was all new stuff that we kind of stumbled upon by accident. And it's how our small business became profitable early on and stayed profitable. But the things that I learned from making that physical goods business work, which was a side project for fun, I started to apply in my own career. And that is when my career really took off and changed quite a bit. So accident. (laughs) <laughs> I
0: love it. And I find that for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who embrace different things, it, it was accident, you know, like accidental as well, just re- responding to something, being willing to explore something. And you're like, wait a minute. And then one thing builds on an on the other that which is, you know, like you took what you learned from that business and started applying it to your career and all these other things happened. And I think one of the things I really love about what you do is not just that you learned all these things and y- you know, you, you are proof that there are alternative realities for physicians, right? We There's so many things that we can do, but you also help other people, right, to experience the same thing. so you pay it forward. Now when I listen to your podcast the line I like is a line about we should treat our careers as the businesses they are. And I want you to unpack that, right? Because I talk a lot sure. about you are the CEO of you incorporated. It doesn't matter whether you work for so it doesn't matter. You run a business. So talk to us a little bit about the concept of your career
1: as a business. Sure. I mean, you kind of just said it, right? You are the CEO of of you incorporated. So even if you're a salaried employee, you know what that salary is and the kinds of assignments that you get and the teams that you work with and the promotional opportunities that are available to you and the salary that you get and the benefits that you get all of these things you know sometimes people just think you you get what you get right or or they think about negotiating as if it's sort of a power play but the reality is if you're not coming to the table with something that is of high, of high value to the person you're negotiating with And if you cannot communicate it in a language that shows them how valuable it is, then, you know, you're leaving money on the table and then you will just get what you get. So the people who are really successful in advancing their career in the direction that they want and at an accelerated pace are the people who, you know, whether they realize it or not, but I I think it's more the ones who are deliberate about it, really take care to understand, you know, who are the stakeholders? Is it just your boss? Is it the patients? Is your colleagues? Who is the person that is in the position to help you move up? And what does that person care about? And how can you, with your value, meet that need? And I know that some people are probably thinking in their heads, well, what if I don't want to meet that need? Or I don't like that person. That's fine too, but then you might be in the wrong place, right? And people say, you know, know your worth and then add tax. I mean, that's super, but someone has to pay that bill, right? So you can know your worth and add your tax, but if nobody's willing to fork over that money, then th- that's just a slogan. So I-, I do believe that we're all, you know, have much more control over our professional direction and our trajectory than many people realize we're selling ourselves short over and over again.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Okay. There is
0: so much gold. Like if you literally just unpacked that one statement, we could be here for a whole other episode, right? Yeah. The control and, and that phrase, like know your worth and then add tax, it grates me some kind of way because I'm like a negotiation like you're describing is a win-win situation. So you're talking about understanding what it the value you bring, being able to communicate it, knowing who the stakeholders are so you can communicate with the right person. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk about, you know, what you're worth, you ha-
1: it has to be both things brought to the table. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think in many ways, it should kind of be obvious. Like I, I hear from a lot of um, academic physicians, right? That they want more non-clinical time, protected time to cover their, you know, when they're speaking for grand rounds or their research, but you have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, wh- what is the value of that to the department? Most academic departments do find there to be value in having their doctors uh, boost their reputation, boost their ability to recruit residents, as well as faculty, as well as other professionals across the organization, um, they often do find a value, particularly depending upon what venues you're speaking at. So the most important thing is to figure out, you know, can you get your chairperson to endorse that that is indeed of value? Because if they say, nah, we have enough of those people around here already, it doesn't make you any less valuable, but you're less valuable there. And so unless you find a different way to articulate your niche or to show up at different places that add even more value, that's not like run-of-the-mill value, you may be able to add more value somewhere else in a way that is also, you know, that's more satisfying to you. We can't make other people value what we do and what we love, but we can match ourselves to be in the right place, doing the right thing. I love it. (laughs) They may not perceive it but it's our job
0: to find the match. Ugh, mind blown. Okay. All right. So this is really good. And, you know, in a minute or so, not in a minute, but in a moment, she's going to tell us about her podcast and all of that stuff. So you can go binge on this stuff because this is just too good. But you talk a lot about professional branding for physicians and, Someone may be listening to this and like, wow, so it seems like I do have more control than I thought. It turns out I work for Me Incorporated and I have a business, which is my career, so I should brand myself. Where do I start? What do
1: you say to that doctor? You've got to understand what it means and what it doesn't mean. I think a lot of people think about branding as being a logo mm-hmm. or a slogan uh, or something just much more, So something that it isn't, right? It, it, that's not what it is. What it is is a communication tool. It's a way of succinctly communicating your value. And so it might be an elevator pitch, for example. Um, It's it's what someone would say about you in one or two sentences when you're not in the room. You know, oh, Dr. So-and-so, she's the one who fill in the blank, right? And whatever it is that comes to mind, that is the essence of your professional brand. Now, you could do an audit and say, okay, today, what do people know you for, if anything? Maybe what they know you for is you're a really nice person. You always pitch in. Well, that's super, but it's hard for me to understand necessarily how that advances your career. It it certainly could be parlayed, right? That's important. But there's a subject matter expertise and there's a, a relative value, like your expertise compared to others, your experience compared to others, Like, are you very experienced, things like that. So it's what people are saying about you when you're not there. That's the most important thing to understand. It is something that you should deliberately curate and cultivate and pay attention to. That's why I have the branding prescription (laughs) and you could get 18 hours of CME for it. But it's it's super important that you should do that. But what it is not is fictional, right? It's not something that's made up because at the end of the day, whomever you've convinced with that professional brand message, whether it comes out of your mouth or whether it's just what people um, now start to associate with you. If somebody hires you, promotes you, or otherwise engages with you because of that, then you've got to deliver. So it has to be authentic and true and genuine. It's just just that it also has to be out there. And a lot of people aren't putting it out there.
0: Amen, amen, amen. That's okay. So (laughs) (laughs) one is that it has to be authentic. Two is that it has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. And you have to put it out there.
1: Like, I agree. you
0: know, you have, you have to put it out there. We have to stop being the world's best kept secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: This is so good. And it's not a logo. And, and I have the same observation you do where, you know, people are like, oh, I'm working on my branding, my logo, my website, my colors. I'm like, that's like icing on the cake. Let's just get the cake done.
1: Right? Like that's <laughs> That's not Yeah, the thing. that comes afterwards, afterwards. after, and maybe never, right? I mean, you don't necessarily, I do recommend everyone have a website, but, you know, you don't need that. And furthermore, nobody's going to come to it until they know you first for some yes. reason, right? Yes. Okay. So I have a bias and I'll let you tell me,
0: you know, what you think about it. I think every physician should be a speaker. I think every physician should own speaking. And especially if you're building a brand, I think is the fastest way to grow a brand. If you're building a business, I think is the fastest way to grow a business. I think every physician, my orbit that I have influence over, I'm like, you are speaking. <laughs> right. So I know you talk a lot about it. I know that you've, you've done trainings on it and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. What is your take on? Physicians
1: in speaking. I agree with you to an extent. I, I do think that one of the best ways to establish thought leadership, which is an important part of your brand, is in speaking. And I also firmly believe speaking is a learned skill. So you might say, as I once did, like, oh, I'm not only terrible at it, but terrified of it, right? But it doesn't need to be that way. You can learn it, you can develop it, you can become good at it. And I know most people don't like it, but if you can become good at it, it opens a tremendous amount of opportunity for you. I will also say that, you know, so that's why I have the speaking prescription. (laughs) I don't know if you're throwing me these as softballs, but it's a great training course. And a lot of the people who have come and taken that course with me over the years came into the course viewing speaking in a narrow way, right? I want to get paid to speak from the podium that is speaking, but In taking the course and after taking the course, they went on to have really profitable and rewarding, successful parts of their career or even full career transitions in things that leveraged speaking, but were not necessarily speaking in that way, like doing consulting workshops for major organizations, teaching online courses for which that wasn't really in their wheelhouse. It wasn't something they thought of speaking. Uh, doing something like YouTube or or podcast, and particularly if you end up with a show that you monetize in some way, uh, but even if it is just a way in which you establish thought leadership, uh, speaking, I think, is incredibly important. So while I can't say everyone must do it, I, I think it is a, a really uh, important lever to pull if this is the direction you want to go. And now, for a quick word from our sponsor. This
0: episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is sponsored by the EntreMD Business School. We didn't get any business education during our medical training, and this school fixes that. It is the only school of its kind that helps physicians become thriving entrepreneurs who make money, have impact, and have time for the things that matter. You will get the coaching, accountability, and community you need to be successful. To find out more and to save your spot, go to entreamdbusinesschool and now for the rest of the episode. I love it. It's close enough. Yeah, I agree <laughs> no, with you. You didn't need to agree with me, but I'm just saying. Um, you know, that's just
1: my my bias. You know what? If I can share another anecdote about that, if yeah. you don't mind, you know I don't. It's not just people like you and me on podcasts like ours, you know, the Association of Women's Surgeons hired me last year, the year before COVID, to take some of their mid-career docs. So, you know, associates trying to become full professors who definitely had the chops, but so much of it was in writing of the papers, right? They had done research, they've been funded, they've written papers, they've published, but they were not getting enough stage time, mm. particularly as compared to their male counterparts. And so you know, that organization is forward thinking enough to say, you know, in order for these women to really own and claim their professional space, they've got to get on the stage. So I think they as an organization would agree with you, because they hired me to help make that happen for their doctors. Really important. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Someone is
0: listening. And you know, it's a physician who's just like I was who's an, well, like I am is an introvert, right? But to them, it's like I'm an introvert, so I'm and, you know I'm super shy, and I just don't do stages and I don't do speaking. Like they agree, like I should build my brand, I should own my career. Speaking will be great,
1: but I'm not the kind of person that can do that, right? What What do you say to them? I say to them, first of all, if you are uh, an introvert, I love that. I am too, and I people are like, no, you're not, and I, I absolutely am. But I have a professional side where I pull on you know, this kind of activity because it yields a lot of results. But don't get me wrong, you know, on a, on a Friday night, I'd rather curl up with my cat on the couch uh, than go to a party. So what I would say, though, is if you're not uh, interested in speaking or in, you know, a lot of people look at social media and trying to grow on social media as being just exhausting and an avenue for just comparing yourself against others. And, you know, I'm not I'm not the kind to take selfies like I just can't do that thing, right? I would just say this. I have known many introverts who don't like doing that either, but they've done it in order to benefit their brand building. And I will also say you don't have to do it. There are other ways that are not those ways in which to build a brand. And I'll use myself as an example, because although I do have social media platforms, um, and that's an important, I think, element of work, I don't do selfies and reels and stuff like that all the time. Uh, or, or really ever. you know I, that's not my thing. I don't do it. I recognize the value for it, but I don't do it. My business grows by word of mouth. When I've really helped someone, they tell other people. So I don't have to do ads, and I don't have to do crazy social media because people just tell people. I think to the introverts listening to this, if you are uncomfortable with some of those things, you don't need to do them. You really only need to do a couple things. That is, find out where the intended audience is for you to serve. Sometimes that intended audience is literally your chairperson or other people like that person. So maybe it's LinkedIn. Maybe that's the place. And you don't have to be wildly active about yourself. You could be sharing other news articles of interest, other content that you might write if writing is more comfortable for you than speaking, or that you might just read. It might belong to someone else and you can just share it. And maybe with a little editorialization of what you found interesting. And that's still another way to establish thought leadership. Um, and to really show yourself showing up at, in that expert space with expert commentary about a subject matter. And it doesn't mean that you need to do TikTok videos or anything like that. There are a million, million ways to show up. And again, it has got to be authentic to you because not only will you not be happy, but people can see through that and they won't like it and they won't connect with it. So show up in the way that you really are. Show up in the way that you really are. <laughs> and, I didn't know you're an
0: introvert, but you know, many people wouldn't know I'm an introvert. So I know. See, now we're bonding. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have pegged you as that either. So there you go. Well, you poke the bear. I do have a story for you. Tell me. Yeah, I remember in my practice, so this is years ago, probably five, four or five years ago, I was sitting and I was thinking I had known for two years that I should do video, right? Like I, It was like, it's a low hanging fruit. Nobody else is doing it. No other pediatric practice is putting out, you know, video content. All the stuff you should do, it'd be great. I'm like, you mean like my face on the world wide web? Like that is just not happening, right? <laughs> and it took a whole two years. And one day, I was on Instagram and I saw this lady, and she she had the crappiest video ever, like horrible, <laughs> horrible audio. Horrible video, bad lighting, and, you know, somewhere in the middle of the video, her son walks across the screen, and she has 60,000 people watching her. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? Do you do your homework? All the stuff? Okay. Uh, so yeah, my people, and she continued. I was like, what in the world? And I just had this thought, while you're waiting for everything to be perfect. Other people are growing their brands and they're doing their thing. You should just embrace it, you know. And so, yeah, like you, like Friday, there other thing, I would rather read a book or take a walk than go to a party. But I've learned to own being able to show up well on stage, even though I'm an
1: yeah. introvert. You know, so yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it, but I am I, those things. I don't. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, yeah. they're learned skill. So, you know, I bet you uh, and I both we can, you know, if, if, if someone hires me to do a keynote and we're doing a book signing or whatever, I can work the room, I can do the book signing and I can nail that talk, but then I will go home back to my hotel room or whatever and enjoy unwinding by myself. Yes. It doesn't mean that I can't do it. And it doesn't mean I don't like to do it. It just means that it's a little, it means a little bit effortful, right? Yeah. But that's okay.
0: Yeah. And I love that you say that, because I have to come to terms with the fact that introvert doesn't mean I can't do those things. It just means at the end of the day, I draw my strength from solitude, and I love hanging out with myself and stuff like that, because, you know,
1: that's what introverts do. Right. We get re-energized, you know, by it doesn't mean we don't like people, we just get our energy, our our energy filled back up from being uh, either alone or with, you know, a small Small group Small. of trusted yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah, I love it. All right. One introvert to another. So tell people where they can find you. They can come listen to my podcast. It's called The Career Prescription. And so they could just search for that anywhere. It's Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. They can come on over to my website, which is Um, And they can see, it, you know, the podcast, of course, is hosted there. Old blogs uh, that have been around for forever are there. Links to my various programs are also there. Um, then they can, if they want to get right to programs, all they have to do is just go to courses.marjoriesieglermd.com and they'll see the speaking prescription that you and I have talked about is there. Uh, The branding prescription is there. That is the one where I have uh, offered that CME, 18 18 hours of CME. Industry Insider is also there. And this is a program that you and I haven't talked about, but that a lot of people may be interested in. It is all about non-clinical careers. So very many of our colleagues is like an unspoken, you know, like whispers, a feeling like they want to make an an impact in healthcare on a macro scale outside of you know one to one patient care, or they feel just a little stagnant, not sure where they want to go after their sort of mid career, you know, they're in their comfort zone, they're ready for something more and new. So uh, as you mentioned in the intro, I have a nice and wonderful, successful academic career, but I left in 2017 to work as an executive in the pharmaceutical company. So I am now helping other physicians who want to make similar kinds of moves to biotech, pharma, medical device. I mean, there's so many ways uh, to make important differences for patients. And some people have an initially a little bit of suspicion around that, but I've got to say, we have to be at the table everywhere, and if we're not, then we really have no place to say uh, anything about any particular industry or sector of American healthcare delivery. I mean, it is a mess, and we've got to be at the table everywhere. We
0: have to be at the table everywhere, yes. <laughs> so Now, I, you know, I usually end the podcast this way. I tell people, you have to share this episode because the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is more than a podcast, it's a movement. The thought process is there's a million of us. If we don't like the system, we can change it, right? So what would you say is the reason why the doctors listening right now need to 100% share this episode?
1: 100%. People need to share this episode because they know that there's something that either you have said or I have said that has resonated with them, whether in a small way or a big way. And they know for sure that their colleagues need to hear this because it's not the kinds of stuff that people talk about out in the open. These are the kinds of dreams and aspirations that so many of us have, but that people don't talk about openly as they should. So what you're creating here. It's helping, I think, to move that needle and it will get people, but, you know, people want and deserve to have a very fulfilling and meaningful career. And so this should reach as many ears as possible so that we can help as many people as possible design that for themselves. And it can be in patient care or it can be in anything that you want.
0: I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're super busy. I appreciate your time. And for everyone listening, you heard her. So go share the episode, go take some action on what you heard today. And I will see you on the very next episode of the Doctors Change in Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now, this is too good for you to keep to yourself. So I want you to do three things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share this episode with all the doctors in your life. Number three, share it on social media. Until next time. Remember, you are a huge part of a movement changing medicine one podcast episode at a time.